welcome again back to Getting to the Top, where we interview amazing and transformational leaders about their leadership journey in hopes that we can inspire you on your own journey and you can learn some new things about leadership as well as to inspire you to reach the highest heights and hopefully make the world a better place. Today, I have the immense honor of interviewing Marsha Lewis, the co-owner and co-founder of LCI International, uh, LCI Management Consulting. And there are a number of reasons that I want to talk to Marsha because I think she will open our eyes to what is available in leadership and also how, how to be absolutely spectacularly amazing at what you do, which she is. So Marsha, can I please ask you to introduce yourself? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Raquel. And thank you for being here. You know, I've been charting the progress of this podcast. And I just want to say kudos, Raquel, for just giving us women an opportunity. So who am I? I think I am, or I should say I know I am. Firstly, um, I think a born leader. And I say that not in a way to be at all um, full of it. I say that having earned it. And I think that that's important because I see leadership in every aspect of my life, um, not only in our firm, where I co-lead with my husband, more on that later, ladies, you know, that must be fun. But also, I'm a leader in terms of a thought leader, an innovator in terms of the leadership that we project and support in terms of the incubators that we work with, and the people with whom we work with. But I'm a leader in terms of my children. Um, I have a daughter and a son. And I look at them and I look at the world around them. And it's about how do I promote a thinking that allows them to be comfortable with themselves so that they are leading in whatever they're doing. And very often, sometimes to lead, you first need to know how to follow. So mm -hmm. of course that comes hand in hand. So that's in a nutshell who I am. And I'm also quite passionate about constantly learning and getting to understand a bit more about what this amazing world affords us. So oh. that's me in a not so much nutshell nutcracker. <laughs> Fabulous. Listen to me. This is like my dream come true to get someone to say, I am a born leader. And I think that's so important because a lot of us feel it and we're afraid to own it. And in, mm. in that fear of owning it, you are muting, you know, your, your natural tendencies. And we need more, we need more diversity and we need more women like you who are willing to just say, I own it. Yeah, I mean, you walk into a room with Marsha and you know that she owns that room. So it, it, isn't, it isn't a question about whether you are a leader or not, but it's a, a question of whether you know it, whether you own it, Spot whether on. you're willing Spot to on. kind of, you know, to give it the air that it deserves. So I love that. I, I, I won't even tell people where we met because that's, that's, too embarrassing a story, <laughs> but nonetheless, it, it was an absolute blessing to have met you. So tell us about your journey. How did you start out? What were you doing in school and how did you decide? Because, you know, you were at the highest heights in corporate uh, HR, doing amazing things and decided, you know what? No, man, too easy. I'm going to do something extraordinarily challenging, but incredibly rewarding. Oh, great question. So um, let's go back. I won't go all the way back. I'll start just, you know, from my tertiary education. So in terms of, of my focus of study, interestingly, it was English literature. Yes, that's what my first degree is in. Um, and I remember doing that coupled with behavioral based science. And I've always had a passion for people. You know, when I meet a lot of HR folks and I interview them, I'm like, so tell me why you for the job. I like people. And I say, OK, a little coaching. 
that is not sufficient for you to be in this position. We all like people, but I need a bit more. I need to understand what do you like about people? Do you like motivating them? Do you like working with them outside of, of, of the workplace? What about people do you like? Because it's very cliche to say, but when you think about it, a lot of us just don't like people. I mean, if I asked you viewers, think about three people you don't like. I mean, off the bat, you may have, you know, all 10 fingers, right? <laughs> And why I'm sharing that, Raquel, is because I think it's important to understand what your passion is. And mm -hmm. I think I was blessed going through my life to have very strong leaders, um, both male and female. Mm. And I want to say here that when I say I am a leader, we've not been um, socialized to say that with mm. confidence and conviction. We say it and I, and I could hear some viewers going, well, that's a tad arrogant. No, it's not at all arrogant. Um, and through my career, I've recognized that gentle balance between asserting yourself yeah. as a leader, um, as a female, and that's why we're here, you know, that journey to the top, yeah. but doing it in a way where you do not lose your womanness. What do I mean by that? I'll give you a quick story. Um, I grew up in the financial services industry, so I left studying literature and behavioral based science at the good old University of the West Indies, St. Augustine, big up all my St. Augustine <laughs> folks, yes, Huey bread, um, and I got a great opportunity to work with one of the top financial institutions, um, still near and dear to me, um, in the region. And one of the first things you recognize when you work in a financial institution is it's very male dominated the higher you go. So how do you break that proverbial ceiling? And I had an amazing, and, and may I call names, Raquel? Yes, I had an amazing absolutely. general manager by the name of Susan Dorr mm -hmm. and another woman called Anne-Maria Garcia Brooks who just fed into my life in those institutions. And I remember one of them saying to me in particular, I was running and I was always very headstrong running to um, an assignment. And she said to me, Marsha, stop. And I'm like, yes. She goes, where's your lipstick? And I'm like, where's my lipstick? Lady, really? I mean, we're breaking these barriers. It's not about how cute I am. She said, absolutely not. It's not about how cute you are. But when you couple that with looking a certain way, doesn't it seem to open doors for you? Yeah. And then Miss Dorr said to me, don't ever lose your womanness. It's your number one tool. Mm. And that's something that stuck with me. Yeah. And, and why it stuck with me is very often when we get to the top, and I would never think that I'm at the top because I always want to aspire to that next step. Mm -hmm. Very often we forget that it's about embracing who we are as women. It's embracing that perspective that says, you know what, guys, we're not going to go for the jugular. Instead of the big stick, how about using a bit of finesse? And how about using a middle ground? And we are naturally uh, created in that way. And I think, Raquel, unfortunately, I've seen too many folks, because we do executive um, recruitment, mm -hmm. as you would know, and too many times when I, when I prep my candidates for that C-suite job, I see them lose their womanness. Mm -hmm. I see them lose the femininity. Yeah. I see them think that they need to be, and it may sound cliche, men. Yeah. And women, I want to say to you that remember who you are. Remember yeah. who you are in terms of that femininity, coupling it, of course, with the knowledge of your respective area of expertise. So I know I've sort of gone around the, the, the bush a bit, but it's it's 
learning that from not just the academics of human behavior, mm -hmm. but also learning that we are molded differently, male and female. And it's understanding that distinction that I think really allows us to propel ourselves forward. It's a very long-winded response. But no, no, no. It's, 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 it's absolutely perfect. So, you know, <laughs> this is going to seem like a strange question. So when you were studying English, English literature, what exactly did you think you were going to do? I knew I wasn't going to teach, <laughs> so. although, although, although I have, listen, since COVID, I mean, I always respected my teachers, but as a result of COVID, all hail to teachers, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think I would have single-handedly opened all schools because I was losing the script. I have two kids. So um, I, what was I going to do with English literature? Um, I think the ability to express yourself, mm. not only verbally but on paper is a gift mm -hmm. and I think sadly it's being lost it is it particularly is. now when yeah. I read some of the the whatsapp from just my kids and my younger cousins and I'm like right could you please translate this I'm not understanding what it is <laughs> um it's it's the economy of the expression that is almost crazy right yes. it's, it's just too it's just too succinct so what did I think I was going to do I always knew that I wanted to couple it with the behavioral side of things. Okay. And I think that a key part of, and I was always um, fascinated by human behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think a key part of not only working in that space, but being able to support people is being able to express yourself. So Definitely. for me, literature was a language of expression, understanding how the greats did it. And sometimes understanding what you mimic and what you don't. Yeah. But I think, what I did with literature was an understanding of how to express myself verbally and, of course, in the written word, and, of course, coupling it with the behavioral-based science. Love it. So you get into the bank and you start working with these amazing mentors. And at, at that point, you know, you're, you're definitely someone who owns your, your, your talent. What are you thinking in terms of what your career is going to be like? What, what, if you, if somebody asks you, you know, what are you going to, I mean, at that stage become, or where do you see yourself in 10 years? What did you think? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. So we had this program at the bank that I was working at and, um, I was on this ma management associate program and this, uh, reporter came in and asked that very question. Ah, nice. Marsha, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I still have the article. My parents got it out, as good parents do. Um, and I said, well, in 10 years, I'll either be the GM of a bank like this or some large organization or, you know, the equivalent head HR job, or I'll start my own firm. Um, I was 23 when that question was asked of me. Wow. And, you know, I, I say this with humility and grace. At 32, I was EVP of a large telecommunications firm. And the four years into that, I decided, uh, along with my husband, that we will start our practice. Nice. Uh, so, yes, you know, sometimes you need to speak it into being. You need to speak it into being. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Fabulous. Fabulous. And so I'm going to I'm going to go back to that point that you made about womanness, because um, in uh, Arlen Hamilton's "It's About Damn Time." She talks about she talks about authenticity and and being true to who you are. And like you and I are, we are girly girls. We are you, you cannot you you can't beat it out of us. We are girly girls to our core. But she talks about when she's like walking into this meeting, 
and um, she's in sweats and, and, and pants and, you know, she's in sweats because that's, that's her vibe. That's how she feels. That's, that's how she expresses the authentic, her authentic self. And um, someone says to her, you know, you'd do better if you dressed better. And she was just like, nah, but she's like, you'd see me coming because you know, it isn't me. It isn't the authentic me. And I'm saying that to say, I agree with you on don't lose your womanness but also don't lose your authenticity. Don't lose oh whatever it is, whoever you are at your core, you can finesse that to, to fit into the spaces that aren't, that aren't designed by us. Oh, but I absolutely. also think it's so important because people see you when you're not being yourself. You know what I mean? It's just, oh, yeah. you show up and it's like, you stick out because you're not even, you're not even being truthful to yourself. And I, I, I was, um, writing some notes about about a, my eating plan today and I was like well I'm not really going to count that as getting eating <laughs> off plan and I was like why would you lie to yourself <laughs> but yeah so 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 it is about authenticity and 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 you are you are glamorous and and beautiful and so you needed to you Thank needed you. to be that in your authentic self and how you showed up you know, I'm so happy you brought that up because I think it's important that I close off that that example I shared or that that experience I had. So it was not me back in the day to wear lipstick, mm. you know, and, and I, I think I grew into being a girly girl. Um, really? I was definitely a tomboy growing up, for sure. Really? Oh, absolutely. All the stories are coming out now. We have to edit this part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Complete tomboy. Um. And part of when she said that, I was like, well, that's who you are, but not me. I yeah. just kind of put on the, like, the lightest lipstick and left. What I learned about myself is I need to be exactly as you've said, my authentic self. So for that period of time, my call card was, have you seen my work? Could we, yeah. can we focus on my work, please? Yeah. And I recognized what I was doing was becoming just as hard-nosed as some of those individuals that I looked at and said, you know, as a fellow woman, I have more traction with my male superiors than I do with you. Why is yeah, that? Why are you yeah. making it so hard for me? Yeah, yeah. And not that these individuals didn't wear makeup and didn't hold their womanness, but they sort of morphed into the environment that was very male dominated and almost um, created their own sort of testosterone, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was my trigger for you're so right, Raquel, you can be authentic, but be you. Yeah. So at that stage, putting on lipstick for me didn't make sense. I understood the storyline that was being told to me yeah. Yeah. after the fact. Of course. And now when I wear lipstick, it's because I feel to. When I go to a stage in a presentation and I have on Converse, as I did at a recent session, and the person said to me, oh my gosh, is something wrong with your foot? Do, do you <laughs> that? And I said, no, COVID. I'm done with heels. This is me. <laughs> and it was a whole conversation because yeah. society-wise, yeah. you know, there's certain expectations. So I want to come back to the, the, the core point and I'm, and I'm happy you brought me back there. If somebody were to say, what is your number one sort of value? You know, if you had to meet somebody, I'm a consultant, what's your elevator pitch? It's about that authenticity, staying true to yourself. And that constant need to know when to iterate, mm -hmm. not because somebody told you to, but out of conviction and self-awareness. Now, you know what? I probably need to slow my role. I probably need to modify my behavior. I, I feel like you never really self-actualize when you are 
a leader. You are constantly constantly learning. iteration, you know? iterating. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. so no, and sometimes me, it makes you tired. Huh? Sometimes I'm like, my goodness, am I not done learning yet? Yeah, yeah. No, we can't. We can't. And you know, so so it's two things. It's it's authenticity, but it's also vulnerability. Mm. And let me talk about vulnerability a bit. You know, I will never be referred to as, oh my gosh, Mosh. Yeah, I met her. She's a bit of a damsel in distress. No, it, it, never, I won't ever. be referred to that. Marsha saved me. And, and literally, I'm not saying that as, as, as an example. Listen to me. I had, <laughs> listen to me. I had, I'm just going to say, I had lost my job and I was so busy griping at the door closed that I was not interested in any opening doors. I was just like, no, I want to, I want to moan about what's gone wrong versus look at what could be possible. And, you know, I can't imagine my life without that door closing. And I would have been comfortable and stayed in that comfort, you know, or actually that discomfort, because it wasn't a good fit. And I would have stayed mm. in that discomfort because it felt like, oh, well, this is, this is such an opportunity. How could you possibly leave it? And it was that conversation with you that helped me to completely pivot. But I also want to give some additional grounding to Marsha. If you think about incredible major brands or, or incredible leaders at the C-suite of international organizations, I would venture to, to bet that Marsha has placed very many of them. And so it's, it's so incredible how this you know, vision of this 23-year-old that manifested at 32 then is you know, at some of the biggest global organizations placing the head of that, the regional head of that organization. And, and that, does it frighten you sometimes? You know, um, a life I say it didn't frighten me sometimes and it didn't keep me up and it didn't consume me. Mm. Um, and, you know, if we had more time, I'll just talk about, you know, just just how important it is to be grounded in, in something that sort of keeps you balanced, whether that's your faith or your relationship or both. Mm-hmm. But it did. And it does. Uh, and that's why a big part of what we do is about making sure we work with the candidates to ensure that we're assessing them to be best prepared for that leadership role mm-hmm. at that corporate level. And that's 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 men and women. Yeah. 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 And part of that is really, you know, and this is where the learning, the behavior piece comes in, mm-hmm. really tapping into who are you? Who are you now and who do you want to become? So I remember having a conversation. And, and by the way, Raquel gives me way too much credit. Have you met this lady? That's, that it was no. all her. And okay? you know what? I'm so, I'm so delighted that I, have, that I have a counterpoint to that because the most phenomenal leaders that I have worked with and, and colleagues that I have worked with, Marsha also plays. And so her ability to spot talent and to, and to get them, get, get just the absolute best. I'm, I'm also reading Good to Great. And it's, it talks about get the right people on the bus. Oh my God. You get the right people on the, the bus. Absolutely. Phenomenal people on the bus. And I'm yeah. like, with these people, we can go anywhere because it's yeah. the right people. Absolutely. And and that's, and that's what it is. Well, thanks for that. And, and it's, it's about really having those real conversations that not, that are not purposed around how best are you for this role? Man, forget that role. 
that role you can do now. It's why you've applied. Mm -hmm. But who do you want to become? And I see a day in headlights. They're like, what? You know, could we just focus on this role here? Because, yeah. you know, I want to find out how I answer these questions specific to what the job description said. And like, close your eyes. You know that job description. It's why I either had hunted you or you applied. But who are you becoming? Because when they ask, do you have any questions? What are you going to say? What are the questions are you asking the organization? Because I would say having sat on multiple panels to do that type of selection that Raquel is referring to for C-suite, we are very much particular about who we place on those panels to those boards, dis board discussions for C-suite. Reason being, when that question is asked, what's going to differentiate you is the thought that you've put into not your step now, but your step five, 10 years from now. Yeah. And I think that is a very distinguishing feature because very often life gets so busy and we get so caught up and we get so caught up in our own hype that we forget that it's not just about your leadership of now, it's about your leadership, your change leadership, what you want to become and what do you want to foster. So I think that very often um, when we do placement sort of separates some of the individuals. So by the time we get to the individuals who I can sit back and say, you are going to rock that interview. And they look at me and go, are you sure? And I'm like, no, forget me, are you sure? It's a different conversation because a light comes on. And I'll say, Raquel, I've had some of those conversations around. So who are you becoming? Yeah. Forget your 90-day plan. What is your 90-day plan? Should you be successful in this job? Forget that. Let's go beyond your 90-day plan. How are you going to change this company altogether? Yeah. From the people to the brand to everything. And you can see where people have that limiting thought of, that's not my job. I'm just applying for the COO role or the yeah. CFO role. That can't be enough. And very often, Raquel, people select to not go forward in the process. Yeah. And I don't make them wrong. I say, that's okay. Yeah. Here are some things that I'd like you to consider because part of what we also do is executive coaching mm. towards C-suite development. Lovely. So I think I think that placement piece and, and how people get there, and you know, if I had to give some advice there, would be really understand what you want yeah. and Consider not just the now, but consider what you want to become. And that is not to be at all impacted by how old you are, what you've done. Have the ambition and have the awareness to want it. Yeah, yeah. I hope that makes and that's sense. Such, yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely. And it's such, it's such a big thing, huh? Because sometimes people secretly want something, but they're so afraid to even admit it to themselves, much less to another person that, Correct. you know, the, the, the universe doesn't believe you because you're not willing to just to say it, be willing to say it and, and, and even fail and learn and grow and, and want something even bigger and something even more. Absolutely. And I'll say surround yourself with the people that want to see him, read the books, yeah. you know, look, there's so much out there. Yeah. If you are not constantly in learning mode and people are like, oh my gosh, no, I've, I've self-actualized. And guess what? Newsflash, it's yeah. okay if you've reached if where you are. That's all right. <laughs> but don't, ex don't expect from a corporate perspective to say, well, I've paid my dues, so how come not me? I'm sorry, folks. Nuh-uh, yeah. not the competition out there. That's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. Firms want individuals who are constantly 
striving and thriving to be the, their best selves. And you go into a room or you sit in a board meeting and from the time that person opened his or her mouth, you know who those individuals are. And it's not about look at me, it's about look at the work, Critical look at my vision, yeah. hear the ambition. And that ambition, Raquel, is never singular. That ambition is where all ships are rising at high tide. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's funny, you, you, you talked about let the work speak for me. And I really want to come back to how you went from the banking to the, to the next thing, to, so, the, to the EVP telecoms. But when, you know, so many of us women, we talk about let my work speak to myself. If I just do the best work, someone will notice. And someone will see that I, you know, I have my, my nose to the grindstone, I'm doing, I'm pushing out all of this great work. And that is a, a superb way of being overlooked because you actually have to talk about, listen, this is what I've done and this is what I'm willing to do. And this is, this is what, these are my aspirations. And it's so often that, you know, the people who are less qualified are willing to sort of stand up and be counted. And the people who are more qualified end up getting pigeonholed into the, worker be mode versus leading and, and thought leading because I'll just let the work speak for itself. Absolutely. I mean, look, think about this physical action. If you are here constantly, yeah? yeah? When are you looking up? When are you looking up? You could only see what's out there and the possibilities if you are looking up. Yes. So look up. Yes. Look yes. up. Yes. See the possibilities. But what we do is I have to do it all. Yes. So I have to be a good mother and a good mm -hmm. wife. And mm -hmm. let me be clear, that's very important to me. Being a right. good mother and a good wife, important to me. Yeah. Foundation pieces. Yeah. But I, I, I also want to be and continue to be a strong leader, an influential leader. I want to help my community. People step back and go, you can't have all. Well, you know what? If you go along the normal path of, well, I need to do all of it. Mm. Then no, you can't have all. <laughs> do you really need to do all? So here's the thing. And not, not everybody may be in a position to do it. Sure. Um, I love to cook. I would love to cook five days a week, but I do not have the bandwidth to cook five days a week. So given that my work and what I do allows me the opportunity to earn at a certain level, and I'm saying this not at all disparaging of anyone else. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a sure. millionaire, but, you know, I, I can, I'm i aspiring to be one, though. Let, let the record. Excellent. Yes, yes. Aspirations are important. I'm calling it, speaking it into the universe. Not a millionaire yet. Soon there. Yes. But the, the, the focus is I recognize that there is a possibility for me to have someone support me in coming in and helping me prepare just two days a week. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the cost of that and see how I do that. Some people are, well, no, you know, you have to be at a certain level. No, you have to look at what your inflows are and your outflows are and know what matters. And yeah, when they yeah. do that, I can have my kids and watch TV instead of slave over a, a pot mm. on a, you know, on an afternoon. And it sounds like simple, but are we looking at what the trade-offs are? Yes. I can't recall the name of the book, but are we looking at what the trade-offs are? Too often, Raquel, society has said, you need to do all things. You are a woman, yeah? 
you need to ensure that you are having those things done. But are you the person doing it? Exactly. Because if down, you are never looking up at the possibilities. So I that completely example- agree with you. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, um, you can't, you, you can have it all, but not necessarily all at the same time and not, not at a level of perfection that, you know, you are the Martha Stewart in the kitchen and you are, you know, the, the trying to think of a, um, uh, you know, the Michelle Obama of, of motherhood. And you know what I mean? You, you can't, Absolutely. you can't do that. And that's an unreasonable you expectation can't. of yourself. And, it you is. know, I, I read how women rise and it talks about that, but there was another book that I read that talked about what is your, what's your hourly rate and figuring out what is the rate that you want it to be. And then as you're deciding what are the things that you do, then is it worth your time to do some of these things? And I was telling a girlfriend of mine, now I have two children. One is very old and one is very young. My girlfriend has four kids and all are pretty young. And she is an extraordinary leader at the, the helm of a huge organization. And so she was saying to me, I said, you know, we were sending our kids to the same class. And I said, oh, you know, um, she's like, oh, well, I've been calling the school and I haven't gotten through. And I said, well, I had, I have a, a, someone who helps me. And I said, I had that person call and she was like oh and I was like let the people do the things you know create jobs create work for people multiplier effect and here's the thing I always treat the people who I call my 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 housekeeper or or my help not help in the um I'm forgetting the movie with that lady Viola the help it's actually called the help (laughs) I don't see them like that I see them as my partners in doing life so here's my interview question to them hey i'm placing c-suite people guess what this house this house is my c-suite so let's have a conversation i'm hiring you to be part of my family that's the starting conversation you see them kind of go okay that's different from what the ad said (laughs) yeah i am because we are partnering here i have young kids and you know i need i need for you to recognize that and oh well I'm not comfortable doing this well may I show you how I prepare it and once you have that openness and you treat people with respect of course absolutely they rise to the occasion as you said you're creating jobs so thankfully the people we've worked with have worked with us for years because they see themselves as part of our family of course of course that then allows me to also on their way somewhere and you want to help them to get there too I, I mean and they they have kids and their kids I've spoken to their kids I've had coaching sessions with their kids. Their kids have come here because they need a quiet space. And I'm like, yeah, the study's there and study because we are a community. Yeah. And that comes back to that whole, you know, it's it's corporate, but it's also that civil society piece as well. How are we naturally, what we do as caretakers and mothers, we have to go beyond these limiting views that we have in terms of this is all it can be. So yeah. folks, stop looking down and thinking we need to be perfect in everything, you know? Great if you happen to be all of them, but I can tell you that stress is not going to be good for you. Yeah. Spend the time, look up, look up at the possibilities. So, you know, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on your career, but let's talk about, so you're, you're in the banking industry, in a HR, beginning your career, then you go, you go from there to where? So I go from, so I moved from banking into um, a technology company in the US mm. um, and I stay there for a few years. 
and I decide to do my dissertation in, 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 in terms of doctoral studies, which by the way, I'm only just finishing because I moved to Barbados and met the guy, you know, but that's another cup of tea and you know, you know, these guys. Um, so then what happens is um, I am, I am headhunted to work for a telecommunications company and I work for that telecommunications company still in HR, but now I have regional responsibility and I'll be open. That was quite a reach for me. So I am 32 at the time, and I am sort of, of taken aback by just how crazy this multinational, um, at times very myopic, not in my view, uh, regional fo regionally focused for our region, the Caribbean, as, as most multinationals tend to be. It's about, all right, let's make sure we churn this cash cow. And that's not speaking ill of them, what I'm sharing yeah. with you, I'm sharing with them. Yeah. And, and this is what, and I mean, this is what companies, this is, this is sort of the way that companies have been raised to believe they need to operate. Absolutely. Until we stop and we say, hang on, we are a developing nation. And in order for us to develop, you kind of need to allow us the space and bandwidth and invest in us so you can get that return on the investment not just you know repatriate the funds right. so a big part of what uh was a challenge for me was just how that was being done and quite respectfully the 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 lack of any change by the then core members of our executive team and it's not that i was the, the only one absolutely we had absolutely not there were there were there were others who were really leading that charge but a specific incident took place where we had to sort of reduce our, our staff and the manner in which it was being done was just not fit for purpose. Yeah. And um, I was very clear about that. And, you know, we, we, we had some challenges there in terms of them having concerns about my articulating that. And again, it's about having comfort and conviction in what you know and believe to be right. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't things that could have been tweaked or changed in terms of the how I did it. But that, too, is a learning opportunity. Absolutely. So I move from there um, and I decide to, you know what, it's time that we sort of do our own thing. And I have to give my husband a lot of credit here because while I believed that I had the competency to do it, I was just married and I wanted to have a family mm. and I just didn't think I have. I mean, I was working 23 hours a day anyway. So where am I going to fit a family? Yeah. But thankfully I, I, I had the type of family and a recent husband who believed that, no, you can do this. And that sort of booted um, LCI. And we moved from, I moved from corporate into doing what I love and doing it without any excuses. Yeah. And that was one of the frustrations I had working in corporate. I remember my dad, he's now passed, saying to me, oh my gosh, daughter, you see that mouth of yours? Oh gosh, it's gonna get you in trouble. And I said, you know, dad, once I'm respectful and I'm evidencing it, and that I'm showing up authentically, I'm okay if I get in trouble. Yeah. because that's the conviction within which people relate to you yeah. and I think that thread um Raquel has really kind of gone through the entire practice we we started off with just sort of five people and now we are 13 core uh with an expanded group of up to 30 when we have large projects and these are associates that I know I can call and work with and key to what we do as you mentioned is that executive placement and primarily C-suite, 
And that's really where my passion is, supporting leaders to really contribute and build this region. Because I, I truly mean it when I say we have a talent here and an ability to grow this region. We just need to be mindful and believe that we can do it and stop being so externally propelled all of the time. You know, I think Molly said it, emancipate that mind. We need to get there. So that's really a core of what we do um, uh, around that, that executive placement piece, as well as the other work that we do with organizational change and transformation. Yeah, and, and just to underscore it again, I think you're doing fabulous work. I mean, you know, the 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 nice thing is I, I don't have to give it a second thought. If I if I if I want to hire somebody at the C suite, I know who I'm going to call because however you do it, whether it's whether it's magic, whether it's science, whether it's you know, you have in your back pocket some little gnomes, but however it is that you do it, it is spectacular the results speak for themselves look at that thank you so much i appreciate that all right well that is that is it but you know what i'd, I'd love one of these good days we should do a podcast about the story of how you met the husband and and the first really date. should no no we cannot do the first date <laughs> listen to me he told me the story and i was in stitches for days Four yeah. days, four days. You know? And the guy, the, the guy still pursued. Kudos to him. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a good one. He's a good one for sure. All thank right. You. So thank you so much, Marsha. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us on, on getting to the top. I feel like this was really valuable insights for, for anybody who's aspiring to the C-suite. And hopefully, if you haven't been, that you you at least consider it now. And you understand that, you know, speak it into being, understand the possibilities, do not limit yourself. We are from a region of infinite talent and, and never second guess where you can end up. So thank you again. If you haven't already, please subscribe and like and, and send us something in the comments. It's always nice to read what you've posted and, and your, your helpful hints and, and, and advice. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Continue doing great work, Raquel. I'll do my best.